0: Welcome to Cordova Church of the Nazarene this sixth Sunday of Easter, May 17th, 17th. Um, hopefully you're watching this on Sunday, May 17th. It's, it's good to be here. Um, and I just wanted to say welcome. If you are new uh, with us, if you go on our website, cordovanaz.com, um, there's a button just right along the top that says connection card. We'd love for you to click on that, fill it out. Uh, if we were in person, we would have a physical card, but because we're not, we just sort of have a digital version of that that allows us to connect um, and, and to have a sense of who is, who is worshiping with us. Hopefully, we'd be able to interact uh, in some way than just, uh, you know, one more number on the, on the views on the video. So uh, we're so glad you're here, and, and we're excited to worship, uh, worship with you today. Would you stand or sit up tall again and, and sing with us?
1: Okay, Psalm 148, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars, praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created and he established them forever and ever he gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy when fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men, and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who who are near to him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
0: You got Reaper rolling?
2: my morning song though darkness fills the night, it can I hide the light whom shall I fear you crush the enemy underneath my feet you are my sword and shield though troubles linger still whom shall
3: 17, verses 22 through 31. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To yeah. the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, uh, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their preappointed times. And the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring therefore since we are the offspring of god we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word
4: of the Lord okay, Peter 3 8 through 18? Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or revealing reviling for reviling, but on the contrary. Blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he? he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of the threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you, a reason for the for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers those who revile your good and conduct in christ may be ashamed for it is better if it is the will of god to suffer for doing good than for doing evil for christ also suffered once for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to god being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the spirit this is the word of the god of god
0: we are so glad that you are here, um, that you're with us, that you're sharing with us. I know that we're, we're actually putting the service together in a slightly different order um, today. And so thank you for sticking with us through that. Um, I also know that Pastor Cody and I are wearing essentially the same outfit. And so um, if that bothers you, feel free to go onto the website um, and click the Contact Us button. Um, and send us a note about um, how Pastor Cody and I ought to wear different clothes from time to time, um, not be looking the same, not, not confusing people by having a nearly identical uh, appearance on camera. Uh, but it is good. It's good to be here with you. We have a couple ways for you to give. You guys have been so faithful and generous throughout this time, and, and we really are deeply grateful. Um, there's a couple ways to give. You can give online. You can give uh, at our website website you can give through tithely the app a giving app the name of our church is sacramento cordova church of the nazarene you can also bring a lot of you have brought your tithe checks by and just dropped them in the mailbox handed them to whoever's in the office um, or you can mail it in those are all all possibilities so thank you and would you just continue to worship with us today you pray with me? Father in heaven, um, again, we are just full of gratitude and and love for your mercy and your work among us. Um, Thank you, Lord God, that you have been not only kind to us in the ways that you have saved and redeemed, Lord, but you've also called us into this rich and abundant life, Um, this life of connectedness to you, this life of fullness in in you as the vine, Lord. So may we learn what it means to live as your branches. Lord, we pray for those who may be struggling at this time, being isolated. Um, we pray for your grace and your mercy just to flow into their lives, that there would be a deep sense of not only connectedness to you, Lord, but dependence upon you and the joy that comes from that freedom. Lord, we pray for those who are in hospital today um, who may be dealing with some significant health issues. We do pray for your your healing touch in their lives, Lord, as as well as just the perspective of what it means to be a part of your family and your people. Lord God, um, you've given us such a gift in this congregation, and I, I thank you for the opportunity to connect with people this week, to reach out, to call, and um, uh, to just hear how people are doing. And we pray, Lord, that 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 spirit would be at work um, among not only us as a congregation, but us as, as a neighborhood, as a society, Lord. Lord, we pray that as, as emotions get, um, as things get a little bit harder and, and, it, and it's harder for us to remain patient. We pray, Lord God, that we would, you would just deepen our concern and our love for one another. That we would, we would be cautious, um, and in being cautious, Lord, that we would not fail to be bold. Show us how we might um, connect with people in a way that is, um, is serious about your call to hospitality, your call to loving our neighbor, your call to sacrificial love that you've given us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for um, those at the district level who are leading us as a church, And we ask, Lord God, that you would be good and kind uh, to them, that you would give them the direction and um, the encouragement that they need as they make decisions about camps and other things that are going to be going on this summer and through the fall. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we know that um, you are at work among us. Give us a sensitivity, give us the eyes and the ears to see and to respond to that in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: I am reading from John. This is the word of the Lord.
6: If you asked her, Indra could probably tell you quite a bit about artwork called diptychs. I don't know that much about it, but I do know that it consists of two pieces or panels that are each distinct in their own right. However, when you join them together as one complete piece, they add this further depth meaning, this richness, than either panel would have had on their own. Pastor Jeff asked me this morning to do our proclamation of the gospel in a multi-paneled approach, in part because with the present circumstances under which we worship, it makes some sense to be able to break it up both now and in the near future. But I think also maybe in part because Christ himself does this. When he takes several parables and sequences them, one after the other, after the other, in order to spark our understanding and transform our vision of the one gospel that he preaches and that he is. So this then, this morning, is the first of two parts on our passage from John 15. And for those of you seeking further understanding and faith, to be enriched in knowledge, I would encourage you to continue on and listen to the second part. Hashtag stay home with me became something of a national motto overnight these last couple months. At least for those of you who, like me, have been caught in the all-consuming vortex of social media. And if you haven't, it reminds me a lot of Dorothy's line from The Wizard of Oz when she's clicking her uh, ruby slippers, saying, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Whether its wicked witches, or novel viruses, when the world around us appears to be collapsing and danger seems to be lurking in every corner, there's one place left that we have to turn, home. That's been wired in us since the very beginning. When God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, immediately he gave to them a home, the Garden of Eden. And right at the start, we see that a home is more than just four walls and a roof. It's a place that generously supplies, that richly provides everything that we need to live fully and freely. Home is the place where we eat fresh-picked cherries and tomatoes, where we share plates of cookies with our neighbors, where we bring sons and daughters into family, where we rest in the cool of the evening, where we dream about the future, where we know and are known by the God who has made us and blessed us now and forevermore. But the story since then has left a trail of broken homes and broken hearts. After disregarding the architect of their home, Adam and Eve wind up expelled from the place that was made to give them life to its freest and its fullest, and they end up wandering the earth. It's a legacy of exile that continues even now for all of us today. And in this period of homelessness, humanity becomes permanently captive to the fear that there will never be enough, to the reality that we're going to have to always look out for number one and step on anybody else who gets in my way. A home turned into a cage match to death, one way or another. But with the exodus from Egypt, God derails this self-perpetuating tragedy and sets in motion something wondrous, a homecoming. And for a moment, as you see this people on the way to inherit and possess a promised land, a home regained. And even as they face mad kings, civil wars, plagues, invasions, drought, famine, barrenness on the brink of total annihilation, nothing can quench the spirit of God that fills their worship, their homes, and their land. The Lord's presence, like at the very first, overcomes and overwhelms all the obstacles in their way. Such as a gift and the desire for being in one's true home. But houses of stone are not permanent, and vineyards can be burned to the ground. Double-crossed by the same sin that tricked our first parents, many in Israel came to believe that you could be righteous without being holy. That is to say, wholly consecrated, and committed to God. And so again, Israel's home becomes a hostile and a foreign land, and they little more than slaves. Maybe some of you sheltering in place right now have those four walls and a roof, but like Israel, are without a home. Nurtures complete reception and constant awareness of the eternal spirit of faith, hope, and love who overflows in you and through you to supply your every need now and forever. Maybe like Israel, you've learned that it's mistaken to set your hope for a home in our constantly changing and fleeting world. In the gospel passage, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, who have left everything, including their homes, to follow Christ, and who are about to experience some of the greatest trials and difficulties of their lives, suffering and death. Jesus is speaking to them, but he's also speaking to you, even right here and even right now. And he says, abide in me. No less than ten times in this passage, Jesus uses that word, abide. And when we hear it all of a sudden, we're flooded with all the connotations, all the meanings, all the memories that we have of a home. A place that we can be and remain in all seasons and all conditions and in all times. But in this case, it is Christ who has become our home. And what seems an impossibility, for how can a person be our home, has become a reality for what will be impossible with God. And somehow when you see this story now in full focus, this seems the logical conclusion, the only end that there ever could have been to this story. For every home from the Garden of Eden all the way to the one that you sleep in nightly now, has always been the veiled glory of God. God's spirit in life ministering, sustaining you with every juicy peach, every dazzling sunset, every rambunctious child, every blissful rest, and every tender kiss that we receive. But now, Rather than a veiled glory or seeing through a mirror darkly, here in Christ the glory of God shines on us face to face. And this is our true home. For when all the world around us rages and changes and threatens and offers us only destruction and death, God's victory in Christ's resurrection and lordship shall never change or be broken. Christ is our all in all. He is our home, and if we receive it, is able to give life abundantly more than we had ever thought possible through the means of this world, but also what transcends it. And as his followers have shown throughout the centuries, indwelling in his goodness and in his love can never be exhausted or spent, something on which they were willing to set their lives and even their deaths. And so the question in the invitation this morning. Do you have a home? Do you have a place that you can count on receiving all you need for the journey ahead? A place of rest and refuge to outlast the tempests of this life. A place God can bless others through you. A place with a view of the kingdom coming. Christ welcomes you this morning. Come home to God. Rest, work. Laugh, pray, in his embrace and in his mercy. I know that there is nothing that can separate us from the love and from the home that we have in God. Now for the second promised part on our John 15 passage. I am the vine, you are the branches. Christ says to us, For many of us in the Sacramento area, this image of a vineyard feels almost too familiar. But for all that, I don't want you to miss how stunning and striking Jesus' teaching is here. For the same one who said, I am, and who walked on water, and who fed the multitudes, who gave sight to the blind, says here, I am the vine, and you are the branches, Perhaps we might feel like it would be a little bit more of a comfortable or an understandable statement if Jesus said something like, I am the vine, and you are the caterpillars. Come and eat my grapes and take rest under my leaves. But Christ does not say that in this moment. Not when everything is on the line. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And you know what this means if you think about it. Christ has come not just to show his power, to demonstrate his authority, to reveal his glory. He has come for nothing less in this moment, as he reveals, than to invite us through him to share in all of those things. The branches of a grapevine course with the same DNA, that same genetic blueprint, as the vine itself. Any branch. That is a part of the vine, as long as it remains on the vine, becomes more and more like the vine itself. And as it receives its growth from the vine, it almost becomes seamlessly indistinguishable from it. You see, Jesus doesn't invite us here to an intellectual or a socially distanced experience of his life. If we are willing, if he becomes the center of what we think, of what we hope, of what we pray, and of what we do, then he will pour into our hearts and into our lives that same glory, authority, power, grace, goodness, and unshakable love that we see in every moment of his. He came not to take, and not just to show, but to give. And if we abide as branches in him, Christ in me transforms from words on a page to reality In the world. And the world around us, even should it try to deny the works that God does in and through us, will never after be the same. There are no tricks or games or gimmicks in what Jesus says here. A branch doesn't have to do anything to get attached to the vine, it simply grows out from it. God created and made us in his likeness and in his image. We are branches that extend out from the sun we finally experience and discover what true living is when we do this one thing. Abide and remain in the Son. To freely and humbly receive our lives in gratitude, in joy, and in hope. And then to freely offer them up, to give them away again in trust, knowing that we will be filled again and again and again. But notice that Jesus doesn't stop here with his teaching. It's even more incredible than what he first unfolds. Every branch that does bear fruit the Father prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And every branch that doesn't bear fruit is cut off. Either way, if you've ever looked at a vineyard, months after the summer harvest, during winter, you've seen it looking bare and desolate the grape clusters and the leaves all gone, the vine now only a fraction of the growth that it had enjoyed in the sunny summer months. Something about that pruning just rings true, doesn't it? The older you get, the more seasoned you are, the more seasons you've had, excuse the pun, the more there seem to be these subtractions, these prunings in our lives. Who here hasn't felt a pruning and suddenly losing abilities that you might have taken for granted at one point, whether it's just moving boxes or driving or hiking, eating what you want, keeping up or outsmarting small children, maybe even just being able to think for an exp- extended period of time with a pain-free, clear mind? Or who hasn't felt prunings and Losing parents, brothers, sisters, childhood friends and mentors who have now gone to be with the Lord, or pruning in marriages, relationships, in families, where trust has been destroyed, where love has withered, and bitterness overgrown, or who hasn't felt pruning when income has been laid off or furloughed. And bills continue to accumulate. I'm not sure if you noticed, but no branch is immune from experiencing some degree of pruning. But there is a difference in the intention and in the outcome. It's just the way of the world, and it's only natural that it gets stuck on these prunings. Pining or lost for moments where we used to feel ourselves decked in leaves and twigs and grape clusters, forever wanting to return to the way things used to be. A withered and withering branch. However, this isn't the only option. Christ promises something more to those who listen to and follow him. Because for those in Christ, these inevitable prunings, those who lose house family members, riches, affection, health in this world, but receive and live in the seemingly outrageous peace and goodness and grace that God is. For them, such losses and such cuttings are not ultimately to barrenness and to withering. Instead, it creates a spaciousness in our lives in which ever greater and more vibrant growth buds in our life than we had thought possible and we begin to learn the true meaning of Paul's declaration, that though having nothing, we possess everything eternally in God. And at the end, we discover that rather than wasting or discarding the former prunings, God was simply making room in us so that old or new, all branches, might grow and be grafted together in a final garden, at last perfected as it should be. One final thing. You know, in this passage, it could appear that Christ, in comparing himself to the vine, would make himself the most prominent or spectacular part of the plant, elevated above the rest. He is, after all, the center of all things. Of course, if you've ever looked at a grapevine, you know that the opposite is true. The vine is this gnarled trunk that comes up from the dirt, bearing the weight of all the branches. And it's basically just used as a conduit through which the water and the minerals from the roots are continuously brought up to sustain the branches and the leaves and the grapes. But isn't that just the perfect image of the Lord who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for the many? Won't you this morning come and abide in the true vine this day, come to the table and allow God to turn your prunings into a harvest of fruit lasting for eternity. And may God bless your hearing and your doing of the word today. The communion supper instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death, and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again it shows forth the lord's death until he returns the supper is a means of grace in which christ is made present by the spirit it is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of christ all those who are truly repentant forsaking their sins and believing in christ for salvation are invited to participate in the death and the resurrection We come to the table that we might be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. Shall we pray together? Holy God, we gather at this your table. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick. He fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. On the night which he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread, and after he had given thanks to you, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and after he had given thanks to you, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is the blood of my new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and in thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one in Christ and one with each other and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us Shall we pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. the body of our Lord broken for us, and the blood of our Lord shed for the forgiveness of our sins, may he keep us in life everlasting.
0: Um, we are so glad that you're able to worship with us. I hope that if, um, if you've not worshiped with us before, or if it's only been one or two times, that you will reach out. Again, there is a connection card button on the website. Um, there's also a button there to subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, that would be a really wonderful thing. It's an important way to stay connected with everything that we are, um, going, that's going on, that we're doing right now. This week we're actually going to do something pretty fun. Um, so we're going to start on Thursday because Thursday will be 40 days from Easter, and uh, it's therefore Ascension Day. So it's the day of Christ's Ascension, and we are going to have our um, Ascension Day service. We're going to do it in um, in somebody's driveway. So we're going to kind of have driveway church, and we'll put it on YouTube Live so you can watch it live as it's happening. Um, and so if you check the newsletter, we will put all the information for that in there. But we are hoping that you have had, um, you've been able to, to just enter into the presence of Christ. I know that it is a, it's a time where that is a rare gift. Um, and so we look forward to being able to gather with you again um, and, and do that physically. But now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Go in peace.